Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Life isn't worth living without a smile. Today, we are speaking with Mark Halpert. He is the COO, soon to be CEO of Monarch Healthcare. Mark, welcome. So you're a podcaster, you're a marketer. I would love to hear about your career and how you went from a marketing major to an administrator and now chief operating officer of Monarch. Sure. Yeah. So I started 17 years ago now, graduated a marketing degree and uh, absolutely loved healthcare. I actually worked in Camp Hask in upstate New York, working with special needs children, 10 to 13 year olds. And then my second summer, they asked me to go to the adults and I got to spend time with 55 year old and plus adult men and had a great time for eight weeks and absolutely fell in love. I knew it was something that I wanted to do permanently, but just the opportunities uh, weren't there to be able to raise a family and do that at the same time. I actually was dating a girl from Illinois and from Skokie and ended up marrying her. And when you're in Chicago, you got to be in the nursing home world. So I started with that 17 years ago. I was hired as an admissions coordinator slash administrator in training at Westshire Nursing and Rehabilitation, 485 bed facility in Cicero, Illinois, nine floors. And it was intense. Walked in there, not sure what to do. I remember wearing a tie on the first day and someone said, no, Mark, you don't wear a tie in these types of facilities. So it was really like just a whole different experience going into this world. And for the better part of four years, I bounced around through every single department over six different facilities for the same company. Uh, from culinary to activities to housekeeping and everywhere in between, learning how to run a facility and how not to run a facility as well. So got to really see all the intricate details uh, of things. I remember when I was signing residents in, uh, convincing them to come live at our facility in the hospital. It was just a full sales pitch, uh, getting them to come in. And once they came there, I was a concierge to make sure they were having a good time. I did that for about six facilities. And so I was the regional director. And one day someone said, well, you got your administrator's license. You were an administrator in training. Why don't you go become an administrator? A lady's on maternity leave. Go fix her building over the three months she's gone. And if everything goes well, it's yours. Okay. So sure enough, took on that facility. Uh, did really well. Was there for two and a half years. We grew the, the, the facility in, in care, in census. And then I was asked to go to a decertified facility that our owner was taking on. And that was a 259 bed facility on the South side that really I was sent in, go clean it up and go fix it up. So we did that and loved it. And uh, they had IJs all over the place and a lot of care issues, but we fixed them all up in the first eight to 12 months. And then really it was then, okay, so now what do we do with this beautiful facility, but it's empty. We had 107 people out of 259 beds, but we weren't going after people because it was decertified. So we went ahead and started asking my admissions person, my census people, hey, how do we fill the beds? And everyone says, bring coffee to social workers, go do this, go do that. But someone said, no, Mark, it's not going to sell outside. You need to change what's inside. You did a great job at cleaning things up, but we're not smiling. We're not having customer service. So I brought it to my department heads 
And we sat down on a Friday afternoon and I said, on Monday, I want you to come with five things that we need to change in the facility. And on Monday morning, they came in and unanimously, everybody said, number one was Mark, you need to smile more. And now I'm Mr. Smile. I was kind of shocked, taken in the back and said, okay, if that's how you guys feel, we need to do something about that. So we took this mentality and put a smile on everyone's face. So if you're not smiling, we're going to call you out on it. If you're, if I'm not smiling, you call me out on it. And over the next six months, we did in-servicing for every single staff. I lost my voice numerous times, jumping on tables, screaming, excited. We had three-on-three basketball tournaments. Uh, we built a haunted house. We just had a great time and really getting people to smile. And that is really the philosophy of Monarch, fast-forwarding a few years. So I eventually, after that facility, I was asked to become the VP of business development for the same company, overseeing 33 of the facilities from the business development standpoint, bringing that smile, bringing that energy throughout all the facilities. And we did that for a little bit. It's really tough when you are just a consultant and you're not in the trenches every day telling an administrator to go smile and do these things. Sometimes they don't have that same belief. Luckily, I got the opportunity from a friend of mine who knew someone else who was getting into the nursing home ownership in Minnesota, who needed an operations guy and put us together. And seven years ago now, we met and decided to go into business together in Minnesota and started Monarch Healthcare. And our first line of our dress code is a smile must be worn at all times. It's such an integral part of our everyday uh, during the stressful world that we live in pre-COVID, during COVID, whether we're in the world of post-COVID, I don't know what world we're in anymore, but it's just been fantastic. So everyone smiles, everyone has a great time. And we just, we try to change the way healthcare is delivered. That's, that's our motto. Yeah, I actually had another girl on my show and she created shirts that say whoever smiles first wins. She That's got right. in a bike accident and knocked her two front teeth out. So she lived without teeth for an entire year, which wow. then teaches you about confidence and how you show up in the world and what your front teeth really mean. <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I thought that that was a great byline for a t-shirt. Whoever smiles right? first wins, but it really goes back to what you were saying is that just smiling at everyone in your culture makes such a big difference. Yeah, no, it's, it's smiling is contagious and laughter is the best medicine. We are just in a world where nobody wants to live in a nursing home. You know, it's that taboo thing that people won't say. There's, there's billboards telling us to sue nursing homes, telling us never send your loved one to a nursing home. We're here to show that that's not the case. We are a place where people can come to, people can smile, people can live, whether they're coming for short-term rehab, end-of-life care, and everything in between. So we have facilities that specialize in mental health. We have facilities that specialize in dementia. We have facilities that have a hospice unit. We have niches in every facility of ours, and we just strive that our monoculture is we bleed orange. Everything we do is the color orange. And you will see that in every facility you go to. Uh, you'll see that behind me with my orange backgrounds here. Everywhere we go, I wear, we wear orange. My, my watch band is orange. My hats that I wear are orange. It's a culture. I can't believe that people said you need to smile more because from your podcast and even just from having this short conversation with you, I'm like, you smile so much. So do you feel like you've had to up that some? I feel like some days are more of a push. It just uh, depends on uh, the stress level that that is presented at that time. We all know that if you're in healthcare, you're regulated by Department of Health Surveyors. That's never a fun process. I believe that we're all on the same team though. We're all trying to get the residents the care. A lot of times people are afraid. 
I remember when I was an administrator, public health would come in. I would give them hugs when they walked in the door. I would get them, you know, cups of coffee. I was excited. Thank you for coming to visit me. You start off on the right foot. We're all humans. We all want to be treated like kings and queens. So we have to recognize that. I have endless energy, but sometimes when you feel like you're just screaming from the rooftops and people don't follow that, it's really exhausting. So it's just a matter of, of making sure you know what's important and how to get that done and surrounding yourself by an excellent team. At Monarch, we have amazing, we have 10 members of our executive team that are excellent. They smile, they deliver that same dream, uh, and then it passes through to our regional director of operations and, and to our clinical team and to all of our support staff and to our facility administrators and directors of nursing, and it just goes all the way down, all the way to the line staff. So it just become an expectation, and we're just excited to continue to grow that message. That's amazing. I did hear you say that you were voted the top workplace for 2021. And that yeah. your happy employees exceeded the benchmark. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we actually, we won top workplace the last few years. This year, we got the top, top workplace of the gold award or whatever they call it. But they do an employee survey. Third party does a survey and just asking employees their satisfaction level. And I think we were 92.5% satisfaction for our employees. We are one of the better paid employers of healthcare in Minnesota. And our benefits are excellent. But more importantly, we smile. It's important when you're going into a resident room and you're knocking on a door, you're not just yelling and screaming and saying, why are you on the call light again for? You're saying, hi, how are you? So nice to see you. It's a different way. You can hear the smile through someone's voice. You can, if you have a page overhead, if you have someone that's, that's interacting with you in the hallway, a smile, you can see that. So because we're always smiling, people are happy. When you get asked, are you happy at work? And you know that everyone's smiling around you, your quick answer is usually yes. And that's really come to pay tenfold. I would really like to know the other side though. Like you said that you've also learned how not to run a facility. Can we talk about what people are doing wrong that you've seen? Sure. I, I think that there's a need to be out and about and to see what's going on in the facility. I'll give you an example. If you ever sent your loved one to a facility or been to a nursing home before, you'll see people in an office. Sometimes you'll see the doors closed to those offices and they're behind that. You can't know what's going on in a building sitting behind the closed door. There's definitely plenty of desk work to do. There's definitely plenty of reporting to do, but there's a time to do that. And there's a time to be on the floors every single day, two, three, four, five times a day, an administrator, director of nursing, the corporate staff should be on the floors, interacting with those residents, interacting with the staff members, seeing what they need, going to facilities when I was consulting, when I was learning how to be an administrator, seeing people hidden in the conference room, sitting into their own office, leaving at two o'clock in the afternoon every day to go make a variety of stops on the way. Uh, just kind of seeing different things, people not caring necessarily about changing that. We live in a very status quo world where if everything's okay, let's not rock the boat. Healthcare is not that way. Healthcare is changing. Whether you look at it, the baby boomers are coming, whether they're here already, we have a growing population of need in healthcare. Therefore, we have to change. We have to put flat screen TVs into every single resident room. We need Wi-Fi. I put Apple TVs in all of our short-term rehab facilities. Each room needs to have the experience. Electric beds. I go into facilities still and they say, oh, well, it's cheaper just to get away with a manual bed. Yeah, well, then you have staff members hurting themselves and residents not able to get comfortable. So it's all about customer service and, and changing with the times. You have to be innovative and you have to be ready to change. And that's what Monarch excels in. Speaking of being modern to change, you guys are going to partner with a robot company? Yeah, yeah. So actually, it's University of Minnesota Duluth. 
actually was doing research. They have a, a whole doctor program on robotics, advanced robotics. And there was actually robots that were built for in Japanese nursing homes that have been working. I think they said 33% of nursing homes actually have these robots. So we're actually going to be piloting the first nursing homes in the state of, in, in the country. We are actually getting in eight of our facilities, two robots, one large, one small, that are going to be uh, interacting with residents and doing some tasks that can help us allow our current human staff to focus on other responsibilities. So one of the things that we're trialing out in January excited about is meal pass. Right now, sometimes you have 80, 90, 100 residents in a, a dining room. It takes five staff members to pass out their trays. If those staff members can go and help residents with their other living activities of daily living and bathing or whatever else they need to get done, feeding, a robot can actually bring them the meal that could really be a game changer and save hours of our time. The other thing is admission process. Right now, it takes us four hours to get a resident admitted to our facility. If these robots can simplify that and do that in 15, 20 minutes is what we're hoping for, that's going to allow our staff to focus more on what the residents need instead of being pulled in a million directions. So we're really excited to see the little robots do activities, Tai Chi, yoga. Uh, we actually participated with them and did a little demo. We were on the news uh, a few months ago. It's been, it's been fantastic. What was your robot introduction like? I was freaked out. I walked into the room and this robot followed me around. Uh, his head kept following because it, once it locks in your eyes, it follows your eyes around. So it keeps going around and it's, it's programmed to, to interact with you. So I felt like I was in a museum of dolls that it was just like, what is going on? And I couldn't, I'm like, I, I tried saying Alexa, stop, but it doesn't work on Alexa. It was just trying to figure out something like, please just leave me alone. Give me five minutes. So it was, it was, it was weird. And actually it's the fun part of the conversation is, okay, now you have a 75 year old gentleman who probably has dementia that now a robot walks into his room and follows him around. How's he going to feel? He'd probably knock it out, right? Go punch it in the face. So we have to figure out what we're going to do in regards to that and to protect these robots. So actually they're built ready to withstand that damage, but also trying to figure out how to introduce that. We've done some telemedicine things with kiosks and iPads on kiosks that are okay. I don't love the whole telemedicine world. I think it's just very uh, impersonal, but the residents have really come to like the fact that they have this electronic piece of equipment to work with. When COVID happened and they had to FaceTime their loved ones, they had no choice but to like FaceTime. So it just, it's a learning curve and we're excited to see this learning curve. We got our first robots in January and we're hoping that by the end of the first quarter, we are fully rolled out. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that new story. I was like, that's amazing. I want a robot friend. Yeah. Well, you have to come to Monarch and visit one of our facilities. That's so cool. So another question I had for you is, I know things have changed drastically over the past year in healthcare, and you're kind of alluding to that. Have you had to be family members to people that had nobody else visiting? Have you had to hold people's hands? Could you hold people's hands at the end? Yeah. So, I mean, that was, especially the beginning of COVID where we were just told to close our doors. It was March in Minnesota, not the nicest weather. A little chilly. And so your window visits that a lot, maybe in New York or other places were doing, the weather didn't really cooperate at first. So we were the, the caretakers, not just during the shift, but after hours as well, working on a COVID unit, seeing the, the tears, the blood, the sweat, just, it was, it was really difficult to go through knowing that the family members are sitting at home and couldn't visit their loved ones, watching them wave through a window just to say hi to their dad. Eight months, sometimes some facilities couldn't have their loved ones come visit. So imagine not being able to see your, your dad for these months. So we bought all these iPads, like a FaceTime, but a lot of people don't like to FaceTime or it's awkward to FaceTime. I don't know if you ever FaceTime your parents, you know, I know this is better called daddy. I don't know how many times you FaceTime your dad. It's like, okay, hi, how are you? Fine. How's your day? Okay. How's the food? Crappy. What else? Nothing. They're mean to me. 
I need to go home. It's really difficult to have those conversations. It's one thing if, if the parent's living at home and they went to a ball game, they had a good experience. They're living in a nursing home during this, this pandemic. So it's just, it was very difficult. And, but our staff were champions and heroes and really superheroes is exactly uh, what they were called and should be called. And still to this day, now we're dealing with a new variant. Who knows what's going to be? So I remember having to close our doors March 12th, 2020. I had a call with my vice president of clinical services. I said, we got to shut it down. She said, what are you talking about? It's just in a couple of nursing homes in Washington and a couple of nursing homes in New York. It's fine. I said, it's coming. And three days later, it came to Minnesota. So it's been almost two years now that we've been dealing with this and it's, it's really difficult. And I'm sure you're not at full capacity. And here's another thing that's commonly said is that healthcare is profit over people. How do you respond to that? We pride ourselves on not focusing on the profit at all. Yeah, of course you need, you need to have beds filled to, in order to keep the doors open, but we've always reinvested in our properties. Over half our properties we've remodeled. We, as I said, we are the top healthcare payer in Minnesota. So we've really reinvested. Our benefits are fantastic. Really, we've gone above and beyond to make sure that our employees are taken care of and our residents are taken care of. And those family members at home know that their loved ones are in a trusted place. So we are not going to get private jets. We're not sitting on the floor at ball games. We make sure that we are investing in our facilities first and foremost. And that's been our priority. Uh, we have four awesome, awesome partners of Monarch. I consider them my best friends. And we talk every single day. And we're always talking about what else can we do for Monarch? What else can we reinvest in Monarch? What else can we make Minnesota a better place to live? So uh, that's been our focus. And we've just had a great time doing it. I did hear you talk about on your podcast, how you've gotten your staff to sign up for Tough Mudders and that you've reached out to the Foo Fighters and and you're showing up with food trucks and music. Talk to me about building up your staff and your culture and, and winning these awards and making it a great place to work. Yeah. So it just, it just goes back to what someone wants when they wake up in the morning. Do they want to go to work and say, okay, I'm going to go work my eight hours. I'm going to go home. No, they want to be excited. They want to wake up and say, what am I going to get today? Not like the, the, the excitement of, of what the heck is Mark going to think of today? Uh, and that's been kind of like our fun part of it. So whether it's, like I said, you know, uh, these food trucks, we had this crazy idea for Monarch five years. We're going to have this big summer picnic. We're going to invite all staff from 8 a.m. until midnight. And we're going to have this big festival. And we're going to have a color run in the morning. We're going to have volleyball and softball tournaments and kickball tournaments. And we're going to have food trucks. And then at nighttime, we're going to have a food fighters concert. And, and after that, we're going to have a DJ. I don't know. We were talking about marshmallow, Tiesto. I don't know. And go crazy and have this whole big thing. And so staff could come throughout the day. There are day shifts that will come after the shift. There are evening shifts that come before. There are midnight that will come earlier, whatever it is. And really, we're, gonna, we're inviting 4,500 employees to come to this party. And of course, COVID happened and uh, we couldn't do that. So we said, you know what? We don't want to give up. So we brought the party to them. We actually raffled off a brand new car. We raffled off a Cadillac SUV. One of our staff members in our Grand Rapids, Minnesota community won that. CNA, awesome. And Wasn't it um, orange? It was, of course it's orange. Everything we do is orange. I, I, I don't drive any cars that aren't orange. I have a HomePod sitting on my desk. They just came with a HomePod orange. Uh, everything, my, my monitor that I'm talking to on is orange. The chairs I'm sitting in is orange. My phone case is orange. So it's really been all about that fun. I was saying, so we brought food trucks to facilities. We brought the party to them. We just care providers in Minnesota. They have a conference every year. We throw the party Monday nights. We're so like, we just, we had a concert the last three nights, three years. We called it Rockfest. That was Rockfest Rock 2.0. This year is Rockfest 3.0. Next year is Care Providers of Minnesota 75th anniversary. So they're actually throwing a concert 
Tuesday night of the conference. So we're going to throw our party still Monday night. And we're talking about turning the entire place into a club. And we're just trying to put a smile on people's face. Let's just go crazy. Think about what people never experienced in their life and would love to have fun with. So that's what, that's what we go for. We like to shock people with fun. Well, a color run kind of goes back to what you were telling me in the beginning. That's very campy. Yeah, we didn't pull it off but it's still on the bucket list. But yeah, we did a Tough Mudder. We had, I think, 12 members of our regional executive team went and did a Tough Mudder uh, five years ago. Uh, We probably are due to do it again. So uh, for the Monarch staff that are going to listen to this, uh, call you out and join me on a Tough Mudder or a Spartan race. We're just, we we love to have fun. Let's get dirty. Let's go crazy. Live life. I mean, I want to go to that 75th anniversary thing. That sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, November next year. All right. I'm writing that down. And what got you to start a podcast? So one of the things that from the survey that the staff said they were missing was communication and they wanted to hear more communication. Now, I don't know what that communication is, whether we we do a newsletter, probably goes in the garbage. So I just felt like, you know, another way of doing it, we tried keeping it to 25, 30 minutes, a nice little car ride, bus ride, train ride, whatever you're getting to work. I could listen to once a month, focusing on a different facility, a different department, a vendor, just trying to spread that out. I don't know, just uh, Mark and Dan having fun. Dan's our VP of operations. And we just, we tried to put a smile on people's face. I heard you did get the CEO on there though. So, I mean, he played along. (laughs) Yeah, everyone plays along. We're all one family. That's awesome. And I did hear your first episode, you asked your audience questions. What kind of questions did they want to know? Oh boy, I don't remember. People um, people just want to know what Monarch's up to. What are we doing? Where are we headed? Uh, we actually just announced an acquisition last week. We're taking on another facility in Minnesota. People were excited to hear about those things. Uh, is Monarch growing? Is Monarch selling my facility? You know, people are always worried about those things. So just kind of keeping people up to date. Different contests coming up. Uh, we had this tournament called the Hungry Games. It was a food competition between all of our kitchens. So we just try to like share different things going on in our, in our facilities with everyone. And people just like wanted more of that. That's really cool. I'm interested too in like your thoughts on what makes a good business development person. I would say a good people person, a person who gets along people, people that you need to have respect and people will listen to you, but you also need to be a pusher. So it's great. You have to build those relationships up and then you need to push. So a lot of times we get those good relationships, but then we're too friendly with people and we can't be the boss. We need to fill the beds. We need to go and market. We need to go and and keep the business going and and our brand recognition, develop those relationships and then hit it hard. And I think that's, that's, that's what makes good business development. I think that's really good advice. What would you say are your biggest struggles like right now? Staffing. (laughs) Everyone in healthcare, right? Yeah. We have no... I have residents knocking on our door, trying to get into our facility that live across the street from the nursing home that need our care. And I have no staff to take care of them. So it's been really rough. We're trying everything and everything we can, anything and everything we can. And I don't know, we got better for a little bit. October was much better than November. And now it's starting to get to winter. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe more robots. It may be more robots. The goal was not to have robots replace staff, but I have no staff to replace. So it's, it's really rough. I thank my staff that have Stuck with us this long, but we're we're short uh, like a thousand staff members altogether. Yeah, we went from forty seven hundred staff members under thirty six hundred. Yeah, so a lot wow. a lot of part a lot of part time people went to find other things. Variety of different non healthcare related jobs picked up. People working from home. It's been tough. Also, at the beginning of this, we had to kind of define what an essential worker was. 
Right. Are there people that wanted to work remotely? Yeah. Who doesn't want to work remotely? I mean, I don't, but it's very easy to wake up in the morning, stay in your pajamas and go sit in front of a computer. So telling someone to come in and have to take care of another human being where it's difficult. Would I rather work at McDonald's and flip burgers or would I rather work in a nursing home and have to, you know, uh, wipe butts all day? So it's really, it's it's something that's really difficult to to navigate through. And we just try to have fun and make it worth their while for coming in every day. Do you remember when you first got out of college and you were trying to break into the workforce? Yeah. Have you put yourself in people's shoes like that and seen somebody from the beginning grow in their career? Yeah. So we definitely have several of our staff members that have jumped in from day one and said, I want to make a career out of this. And we definitely have several people that say, no, this is just a temporary thing for me. From the time that I graduated college, I was a go-getter. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It was when I started in healthcare, I said, I'm going to own and operate one day. That was always the goal. And it worked out. Some people I talked to, I asked them where they want to be in five years. They shrugged their shoulders. Said, do you want to still be working for Monarch? They shrugged their shoulders. Do you want to be working in healthcare? Shrugged their shoulders. People just, just going along with it, seeing what it is. And maybe that's COVID. Maybe it's kind of changed our whole mentality a little bit that we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So we don't like to plan, but I don't know. That's interesting. I have one more question and you can tell me if you want to answer it or not, but you said you came home for Hanukkah to be with your family and then you work out of Minnesota. I mean, that to me as a mom of four is quite a strain. How do you balance family and work? Luckily, Minnesota is only a 45 minute flight and it's actually worked out really well, provided there's no snowstorms delaying us. I've actually done as many as three round trip flights in a week. I've flown out Monday morning, flown back Monday night, flown there Tuesday morning and then back Wednesday afternoon. And then again, Thursday for the day. I also have four children. I'm on their school's board. I'm on our synagogue's board. There's a lot of different meetings, different things. Uh, While recording this podcast, I mean, in Texas, there's another board meeting going on that I'm supposed to be on. So it just is a lot of different things that, that are constantly going on. It's always worked out that I've been able to be home when I need to be home. And in Minnesota, when I need to be in Minnesota. So my wife has been super supportive. Our kids are super supportive. They love the fact of Monarch. My kids wear a Monarch polo to school every day and they're proud of it. It's just been a commitment. It's a little exhausting some days on my part, uh, having to fly so much, but Wi-Fi on the plane, Ubers to the airports and back has always made it successful and being able to be a good trip. So it works out. And I have a great staff in Minnesota when I'm not there that are taking care of everything. You did mention on your podcast as well that you, and you just mentioned earlier that you have taken over facilities in the pandemic. Do you feel like some of these smaller mom and pop facilities aren't going to be able to make it? Yes. Many have already started to close. We're actually, I'm going to Minnesota next week to meet with a, uh, a couple of facilities that are sitting at 30% occupancy. And they asked for me just to take on the facility, like just please come on in, please talk to our staff. What can you do? Do you want to buy the facility, combine them, whatever it is. We've bought a couple of facilities and combined them already down in Redwood Falls, Minnesota. We bought two facilities that were six blocks away from each other, closed down one to help the other become successful. A lot of these rural communities are overbedded. I have too many uh, beds for the people living there. So just evaluation to try to combine things. And there's just not enough staff in some of these locations to staff the buildings. Some places, the mom and pops want uh, a certain amount of money and they're just not going to get it. And we'll see what happens over the, over the time. But yeah, we, we bought a facility back in April, 2020, and then we're under contract to purchase facility January 1st uh, right now. So yeah. And that's, a, that is a mom and pop facility for January 1st. So it's just someone who says, Hey, I'm a little older. I want to retire. My kids aren't going to take it over. If the dollars are right, I'll sell and the dollars are right. So uh, we're going to be starting there January 1st. That's exciting. Yeah. Is your family in the industry? 
Nope. I grew up in New Jersey. My father works for Royal Wine Corporation, Keiko Ketem. And actually cool. he's, he's retiring in April. Uh, so that's really exciting. Um, so I actually was in New Jersey this past weekend, visiting them uh, for the first time since the pandemic. My mom's retiring in December. My father uh, from a uh, import export company. And my father has been in food and wine since I can remember, I think since I was four years old, uh, no other family members in healthcare. This is just something that I w- wanted to do and was able to start with a great company 17 years ago. And been able to start my own company on the way. So it's been, uh, it's been a, an adventure and it's been great. Wow. Has your dad influenced your career at all? Oh yeah. Well, so I can tell you for one thing, my father works 18 hour days. He falls asleep at the computer. He goes to the couch. He wakes back up at 11 o'clock and then he's back on his emails. He, uh, he works a lot with Israel. So you have a lot of the time difference and he just, he won't let anyone else do anything. He can't hand things off. He likes to be in control of everything. And that's exactly how I am also. One thing that he's always passionate about and instilled in me is caring about everyone else and never saying no to someone. Just figuring out a way that someone, everyone has their needs. Let's figure out a way to make that happen. It's, it's always difficult. Uh, you never want to let anyone down. So my job is to put a smile on everyone's face. That's his job also. And that's what I've learned from him to always make everyone else happy. That's really beautiful. How have you seen him care about others? All day, every day. He, he's constantly, I was, we were driving to the Giants game yesterday and he called a friend of his who's not been feeling well lately. How are you feeling? Just wanted to check in. And the guy says, oh, not so good. It's been a rough day. It's been this, it's been that. Oh, don't worry. Everything will be good. We'll pray for you. Just stay healthy, blah, blah, blah. On the way home, he called him and said, hey, how are you feeling? I'm like, how many times do we call again and say, how are you feeling? We'll text him six days later and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. How are you feeling? He's, he just, he loves everybody. And he, he just, he wants to make everyone happy. That's, that's been his, his motto. So I definitely get everything from him. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. My dad is my biggest inspiration. That's why I started the show because awesome. he's my go-to guy for all advice and whether it's business or relationships, he's just always my biggest cheerleader. And so I knew he wouldn't back out on me. You know? <laughs> that's right. I would just like to know now too, like, what are your biggest goals? You're a goal, you're a go-getter. You've been a go-getter from the beginning. You're, you've helped grow Monarch. You've started a podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, my current goal is to try to figure out a way to get staff to work for Monarch that either haven't left for some reason or never even heard of Monarch. There's a lot of competition out there. I believe that we're better than that competition. So why wouldn't they come work for us? So that's been my, I guess, goals for this quarter. And we're really pushing on that to really at least get in front of every single staff member that's out there. Every CNA, every nurse, every culinary aide, uh, every cook, every activity aide, every housekeeper, really trying to talk to them and figure out what are they looking for? How can I make your dreams come true? And that's been that's been our goal. I, uh, I just went to the Ritz-Carlton Leadership Program. It was through the Healthcare Leadership Academy. We're just trying to get people to smile, get people to value their life and and want to dedicate their life to Monarch like they have been for healthcare for many years. I'd say most people just want to smile at work. They don't want to deal with the stress. They want, there's four people set to work the floor. They want the other three people to show up every day. Not such an unreasonable want, but it's my job to try to figure out a way to make that happen. Awesome. Well, is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? What do I want to ask your dad? I would say that as I assume baby boomer age, going to be of the age where you may need some healthcare in hopefully many, many more years. What are the things that you would expect when you walked into a facility the first day? You walk in, you're rolled in on a wheelchair or a stretcher. You just had a traumatic experience at home, in the hospital, surgery. Maybe it's just short-term rehab. What are you expecting when you walk in day one? That's a good question. And I will say my dad is a little bit of a skeptic. You know, he definitely is 
I mean, he's taking care of his 93 year old mother. He flies to Florida every two to four weeks to see her. She has an aide and wants to age in place. And he did that with his father. But then on my mom's side, they did the other route. I will be interested to hear what he has to say about that. Yeah. Looking forward. What are your thoughts about putting your own parents in a facility? I hope they come to a monarch facility. I love everything that we do at our facilities. And I think they'd be very happy. I will say after working on the Sniff Spotlight for almost a year and speaking with some amazing people in the industry, it totally changed my mind about potentially going to a facility myself. I agree. I think it's scary. It's definitely scary what's going to be. Because you've seen the good, bad, and the ugly too. Oh yeah. And there is a big difference. Yep. Big, big difference. So I just got to make sure that my parents know to follow me and I'll put them in a good place. Well, this has been a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. Good morning, Mark. You asked me a very interesting question about, God forbid, if I had to go into a facility, you'd say, is it that dramatic? Well, I had my dad was being helped in a facility a little bit. In order to really have the confidence that they were giving him the right care, a family member had to be there all the time. Otherwise, it looked like he would get neglected, where sometimes he would not get changed when he had needed a certain therapy, if he was refusing it or giving them a hard way to go. They just didn't give it to him. And when I was there, I would help him. I would encourage him. He has confidence in me. And he would do some of these exercises and he would do his rehab. I'd stay there the two weeks. He'd then be able to come home. The problem was is that my other family members didn't necessarily agree with that philosophy and did not want to participate the same way. So that when I would go home, And if he would need to go in a facility during one of their turns, and they didn't get that encouragement, didn't get that hands-on facilitating him as well, he went right back downhill. So the question is, is that one of these facilities, or whether you do the home care at the house, you have to have professional help, and you still have to have love, compassion, and understanding of that person, where they have the confidence and motivation to continue How do you do that at a facility without a family member assisting you? The question is back on you. I like the episode. And Mark, whether you're in healthcare or you're in manufacturing or you're in any business, he's learned the business from the ground floor up. He's learned hands-on where he understands every variable in doing the job. That's very important to my success and I think to the success of many other people where they understand every nut and bolt of their business. And when you understand every nut and bolt of your business, and you're able to, instead of managing people where you're telling them what to do, you're really working with people so they know what to do. There is a difference. And that's how you gain respect. You gain respect by being able to work with people and understanding what they're going through and being able to hear them out of what some of their issues and problems are so that you can be there witnessing that, understanding it, being part of it, and being helped to make a solution that moves forward where everyone can be happy. The other thing that I really liked about Mark is that he wants to change it all up. He wants to not only make the residents happy and try to encourage them, but in order for that to happen, it's really a dual system. You have to have staff 
that's also enthusiastic about their work and are able to project that also to their patients. Where caring for each other and making a family team is equally as important, where everyone has to be on the same page. And having activities where everyone is involved is a very good solution. The place has to be a happy place and not a morgue. It's got to be alive and creative and everybody participating and feeling like they're part of what's going on if you want to have a happy place. And I think that's what Mark is doing. And he has the type of work ethic that he got from his father. And as you know, you probably have it a little bit from your father and his father and mother. I told you, when you run a business, you don't work 8 to 4.30 or 9 to 5, seven days a week sometimes, night and day. You're thinking the business this then owns you, where you have to do everything that you can to keep it functioning and healthy. It's not necessarily on a specific shift. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com.